Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners. I'm Andrew Doyle and joining me tonight are two people with nothing better to do on a Monday night. We've got Josh Howie and Diane Spencer. How are you both? Oh, very yeah, well. Yeah. Very, very happy to be here. It's been a year of GB News. This is a, on today, a year anniversary since we kicked off. Very exciting. You look excited, Josh. I, I am excited. I've, just, I've been too excited and now I'm on the come down. I was going to say, because if that's your excited face, yeah, you need to work on that. You need to emote... More. Oh, look at yeah. Diane, she's, you know, full yeah, of Yeah, well, energy. he was doing cartwheels around the office earlier. Yeah. It was quite something. I'm pooped out now. <laughs> he needs a nap. OK, well, let's start by taking a look at tomorrow's front pages. And we start with the Telegraph, which runs with no tax cuts before inflation cools off. The Prime Minister fears that the cost of living crisis could worsen despite calls to ease burden on households. Well, that's just great, isn't it? So on to now the Independent and court allows Rwanda deportation flight. Uh, there's an image there from outside the Court of Appeal yesterday where the legal challenges to Priti Patel's policy were dismissed. And also on the front cover there, we have EU threatens legal action to protect Brexit deal. We're going to be getting to that one very shortly. On to the Guardian next. They lead with the same story. EU to fight UK in court over bid to scrap Brexit checks. And also a story there about Aaron Banks, who has lost his libel case against the Guardian journalist Carol Cadwaller. We're going to be covering that as well. On to Tuesday's Times now. They lead with EU pledges, legal action over Brexit violation, and also stop boring everyone to death, Shadow Cabinet tells Starmer. Not a fair request, really, given that Starmer's lack of charisma is the most innate aspect of his character. <laughs> also, I believe we have the Daily Star. Yes, Hell's Bells. That's a European heatwave, apparently. And, by the way, an invasion of killer hornets. Like Armageddon. Anyway, we'll get to that as well. Those are your front covers. And we're going to be kicking off with that looming threat of a trade war, Josh. Your favourite subject, the Northern Irish Protocol. Absolutely. So let's uh, do a bit of a history. So this is in The Guardian. Uh, a couple of years ago, there's, there's this thing called Brexit. <laughs> so do we have to go that far back, even further? If you're going to explain uh, the whole Brexit process, let's I think just we're go going to have for, to you along a little bit. This is going to be a couple. Then <laughs> join us for next year's anniversary special. <laughs> What's this story about, Josh? Tell me. So, um, basically now, the EU uh, are saying that they're risking a trade... The UK is risking a trade war because they're basically published... The UK government has published the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill, finally, which is going to make some changes to what was previously signed, yes. uh, obviously against what the EU says. Uh, essentially that now um, the goods that are going to be sold in Northern Ireland or to Northern Ireland from the UK uh, don't have to go through the same quagmire that they would if they were going to Europe okay. or, or less. So but, but it's, it's cutting red tape, but at the same time, it is also breaking international law. That's not just me saying that. There, there are Conservative MPs who are also saying... Well, no, but wait, the Attorney-General, Suella Braveman, is saying it's not illegal uh, for, for the UK government to behave like this and to, to dis uh, abandon the... Northern but then Irish there are people. other politicians say... 
publish that advice because that advice has not actually sort well, of come. Le other legal experts are saying, and the EU in particular, are saying that it is illegal and they're going to basically sue so the, okay, the government so for it. There's so. going to be a legal challenge. They're threatening a trade war. But look, it was always a bit of a fudge, wasn't mm. it, ultimately? Because, you know, as Lord Frost said, that Boris Johnson knew... Uh, that when they pushed this through, that this, there were flaws within the protocol oh, and that it was going to cause all of this trouble. Yeah. And in order to restore power sharing in Northern Ireland, you need to have both of the leading parties in place. You need to have the DUP on board. Uh, and, of course, the unionists are not happy with a, a customs border down the middle of the Irish Sea. So no. it, this was always... Wasn't this just an inevitability, Diane? I think this was an inevitability and it, it was a fudge and not the type that I like. Well, um, you're a big fan yeah. of the confectionery, aren't you? Oh, massively so. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, they're going to put in... They've made a couple of amendments to the to the protocol. Yes. Because, obviously, nobody in Northern Ireland likes the fact that there's a big customs border between them and the rest of the of the United well, Kingdom. Sinn Féin are fine with it. Yeah, Sinn Féin are fine with it, aren't they? And the DUP are very angry, which is why they're refusing to make a government. But some of the things that they're bringing in are like, for example, they're saying that you will have a choice of meeting either the UK standards or the EU standards. Yes. And that all comes down to who's going to make the most paperwork for the companies and the truckers. Because there's been reports of the ridiculous amount of paperwork to bring sausages through and things like that. Yeah, we had we had the offer from the EU last year. I think it was last October where they were talking about they were going to reduce the bureaucracy by 80... The checks, the checks on, mm. on, on, on goods by 80%, they were suggesting. And, and But the UK rejected that. So where are we? Well, well, for the DUP, it doesn't matter how if there was one percent of checks different from what it would be like in the right, UK. Right, exactly. For them, it's you know that makes them not as equal partners in the UK. So that's a huge deal for them. But there is there's an interesting idea here that this so much part of what's been pushing this through is that they're saying the UK government is saying that we're not they're not going to put this up to vote until the DUP start opening up negotiations to reopen. So whether this is actually also part of a policy deliberately to get right. the DUP to engage back in and getting... I, the, know, getting I, I, I think people though. massively underestimate uh, the unionist um, anger. Resolve. Yeah, I mean, well, resolve as well. I mean, you, you got, this has happened before with the Anglo-Irish Agreement, 1985, and the, the, the unionist outcry, the Sunningdale Agreement, 1973. This has always been, uh, you know, I think it's the same here. I think they, they see the Northern Irish Protocol, as being in violation of the Good Friday Agreement because it didn't have cross-community support. Also, they see it as a betrayal from Boris Johnson who said that this wouldn't right. happen, and then it did. Right. Surprise, surprise. So, a mess that we are not going to resolve tonight, funnily Come enough. Come on, let's, make, thought, it, let's we... make it an hour special. <laughs> let's yeah. just do an hour of Brexit. I thought we'd be able to solve that, that sticking point, but apparently not. So, let's move on to Tuesday's Times now and developments on the Rwanda deportation flights, Diane. Another it's much easier to resolve. issue. Oh, yeah, I've got this in have the you? bag. So, uh, Rwanda deportation flight. Appeal judges throw out bid to stop migrants' plan. So, um, a million lawyers have run, come running onto the beaches going, we will stop you from going to Rwanda. And the lawyers have just poured into this and they've gone, right, who's being sent to Rwanda? I will stop that flight for you. Meanwhile, there's a load of families in Gatwick going, we're just trying to get to Malaga, please help us. And the Court of Appeal has said... And the Court of Appeal has said, um, no, most of you are still going to go. Some of you aren't. Um, and they're saying that on this first inaugural flight, there's only going to be 11 people. Yes. But Boris is saying, well, even if there's only one, it's still going to go. OK, yeah. well, can I ask you, Josh, about this? Because um, there was an interesting article by Brendan O'Neill in Spiked about this, but he's talking about it's less an issue of what we think about the policy of deporting people mm. to Rwanda, but it's about who makes our democratic decisions. You know, we've had the Archbishop of Canterbury weigh in. We've had Prince Charles 
uh, way in. We've had lawyers. We've got the House of Lords, right? So you've got all these undemocratic bodies trying to influence the government. Isn't it up to the government well, that we elected to make a decision and to see that carried I've through? I've seen that argument and I don't agree with it because I, the, the, the whole system is, has, is part of the process. There's a reason why we have appeal courts and lawyers and things like that. They are part of the same system as government. Now, the government can make that decision, but, of course, then it has to go up to the House of Lords. Or there, So there are all these checks and things in places in our democracy to allow those things to be questioned sure. legally and whatever. That's why the system's there as it is. You, you don't worry about, about people exploiting the judiciary in order to influence political... Well, I th I'm glad because the thing that, that people say is exploitation this is some, also something in terms of those same lawyers can then... Um, question the, the right to protest or whatever. Right. So that they're necessary and they're part of what makes this system but, work but, as a whole. Of course, there are people who can exploit it for their own political ends, but that is the democracy that we live in. And I'm glad that there are checks and balances. Yeah. And I'd argue those are part of the checks and balances. Do, do, do you understand the bind that the government's in? in I mean, they have to yeah, do uh, something. Uh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not presenting. I'm just talking about as, as a whole yeah. the thing. This particular situation is. Um, yeah, it's a really tricky thing. There were 130... No, it was 130 people originally on the fight. Yeah. That's now gone... You said 11. It's actually just dropped to 10. So by tomorrow... But Boris Johnson would say, if it's one person, it's still happening. Because what's hap what it really is about here is making... is the imagery of it. Yes. That's what they're really trying to show is, i.e., to the people who are in Calais saying, if you come over here, we have the ability to... So, so you might as well not come over here. That, and they want that isn't, photo. They isn't want the, the effect, photo. though, to try and uh, undermine the criminal gangs and the people traffickers? Well, you know? But that's what they say. And I, so I just, I just wanted to say this, because this is one point I wanted to make. This is always... The, all the Tory MPs, everybody who's pushing this is saying, it's all about stopping the thing. But the reality is, the people who they had up... One of the persons was a Nigerian whose visa had overrun. That's got nothing to do, necessarily... He, this person might have come here legally through an airport and just overstayed their visa. So that's not about... It's particularly about... But I'm not saying that there aren't criminal guns and I'm not... Uh, gangs, and I'm not saying that this person necessarily should or shouldn't be deported, because I know that there are cases in the Home Office they have a, behaved abysmally, as far as I'm concerned. But immigration's a problem. I don't have a solution. Yeah, I, I suppose I just wonder whether the, the cries of racist aren't helping this sort of sensitive debate. But anyway, we do move on now to The Telegraph. This is a horrible story. This is the tragic case of Archie Battersby, Josh. This is not... Uh, yeah, this is... Um, yeah, this is this is horrible. Uh, uh, so, Archie Battersby, a 12-year-old boy uh, who is... They're saying is brain-dead. He's on life support. His heart is still uh, beating. And his mum said that uh, she can feel him grabbing her hand, and this has gone yes. to court law that they've basically said that he's brainstem dead. But this is contested very yeah. vehemently by the family who are saying that it's suggested, like, this. That it, it's really... It's, the whole thing is just horrible. What do we do and in this sort of situation, Diane, though? I mean, you know, this is a family's loved one, a, a family's child, and, of course... And then you have the experts saying, look, there is nothing we can do anymore. I mean, it, it's just... It's impossible, isn't it? It is impossible. Um, and everybody's sort of pushing their own agenda here because, obviously, the mother is saying, why the rush? Mm. She's saying, you know, you've done this on an MRI scan and you're saying he is likely to be That's brain That's the dead. word that comes up in this article. Likely. Yeah. And that is a horrible word for a mother to hear. Yeah. And you wouldn't believe that if it heard, because if there's any tiny percentage that he could be alive, of course she's going to fight tooth and nail to keep him there. Absolutely. Well, very sad story. But let's move on to Tuesday's Times now.
And the investigative journalist Carol Cadwalla has won a libel case against the multimillionaire Brexit campaigner Aaron Banks. It's your best friend, isn't it? What, Aaron Banks or Carol yeah. Cadwalla? No, both, both of them. Both, both of them are mates, really. You should have just mediated that yourself. I should have just dropped them Look, I should have got them round. So let's just have an arm wrestle. Come on, guys. You know, game of Scrabble. <laughs> Nothing you can't fix with a game, with a game of Scrabble. Yeah, that's only because you win. I do win. I'm very good at it. We know. Yeah. We know. Trust me. Yeah. So Aaron Banks, the uh, founder of Leave.eu, was uh, was suing uh, Caroline uh, over comments. Carol. She... Carol. Oh, yep. I do apologise. Uh, get sued. Uh, <laughs> over his uh, relationship with the Russian state. She did a TED talk where she said, "Don't I could go into the lies." that he said about his relationship with the media. Right. Yeah, with the Russian state. And she shows a, a photograph of him and he's there in Trump's golden lift. I mean, um, look, I think it's fair to say that Carol Cadwell has a reputation for being a bit conspiratorial and, and a bit outlandish in some of the, some, particularly some of her Twitter threads, but everyone's a bit nuts on Twitter. So when right? she comes around your house, does she wear a tinfoil hat? Uh, I don't actually know her. I do need to establish that since people are quite <laughs> litigious at the moment. Um, but Josh, th yeah, this is an interesting one because it does kind of relate to press freedom a little well, bit. That massively yeah. relates to it because this is not a slap in the face. Uh, a slap is a strategic lawsuit against public participation. And um, these slap suits are things that very, very rich people and MPs, because there was an MP who tried to completely silence uh, the press. It's a very expensive lawsuit that they kind of throw at the press to yeah, try and get yeah. them to stop releasing. I've got a whole bunch that, of them going I mean, on at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> that's the worry, isn't it? When when powerful people can use the courts to silence mm -hmm. criticism. But but what's interesting about this case, I think, I mean, I wonder about this, Josh, is, is it looks like what the judge is saying is it doesn't matter if Carol Cadwalla was accurate or not. It, it doesn't matter. What, what matters is whether she believed what yes. she said had credence. Now, if that's the precedent, right, doesn't that... That's very I mean, tricky. I know, because it? all of this article, and this is the Times there that you would think would... It doesn't make clear whether any of it was true or not. No, it, any it, of it's actual, very delicate about yeah, it. It, it dances like, around what the truth. does... Because they're sort of talking about where his money came and how it's yeah. opaque and it's all, like, offshore stuff. But there's... It, it, did it prove in a court of law that he didn't get his money from Russia or that he did or... That, that there is truth, some truth to it or anything. So not, you, none of that comes out from the article at all. So it is very strange because, it, you know, straightforward libel would be like, she lied, yep. she has no proof for this, and, what, and it's all wishy-washy. So maybe and, now you, you can lie but say that you didn't realise you were lying. Yeah. Who knows? That's how I get away with it. It is, Josh, you're known for it. Yeah. But we forgive you. Thank New you. story now from Tuesday's Express that I'm sure will be met with much rejoicing up and down the land. Maybe not in Iraq, though, Josh. Yes, strangely. Uh, so there's a, they're calling an absolute national scandal that Tony Blair is about to get the Queen's highest honour. What's that? What's the honour? It, it is. What yes, is, what exactly. It's the Order of the Garter. <laughs> uh, there we go. Joining him will be Camilla, Duchess of Cornwall, this, in this intake, and also Baroness Amos. Uh, and this is what the Queen chooses herself. This is like... So it's her discretion. There's only like 24 people. I don't know what exactly they do, if they all sort of go out to Windsor Pizza Express and you know, they, get, they get a coupon or something. I'm not sure what the benefit is. Well, if they go for a little ride in the Queen's golf buggy. You think that's what they do? Yeah. Is it an actual garter that she gives to him? Is that what happens? <gasps> Sexy. I don't know. Do you think, do you think <laughs> she puts it on herself? Either this is I mean, some imagery that's quite disturbing da, 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 That's why he was da, growing, da, his, da, growing his hair. Especially what do you think about this? Do you think... You, no, obviously, Tony Blair is a controversial figure. A lot of people think he should... You know, when he got the knighthood last year, there was a petition, I think, got over a million signatures. Well, it's the same people. person who's, who's doing They've this got new, a new petition. Oh, so this now. is a new petition From saying... From the same guy. But he lost last time. Isn't he going to lose again? I mean, yeah. Well, my question is, right, so uh, they have said 
Prince William has said, look, if you're going to put Andrew there, I'm not coming there. And they've even cut Prince Andrew from this in case Andrew gets booed. Mm. Yet they're okay. inviting t Sir Tony, who... What? Nobody's going to boo him? Of course they are. I mean, because even lefties hate Tony Blair. No, I, well, I'm a lefty. I like. He's the best PM of my lifetime. Yeah, you I've wouldn't say that if you were in Iraq. I'm not in you? Iraq. You're not in Iraq. I've been in the UK and he did a lot of very good stuff for this country. Wait, did, I thought the, the Queen didn't like Tony Blair. My well, understanding was that she, she did not like I guess him. she does. It's, maybe it's just like she didn't like it. Maybe it's that thing where you don't like someone and then you see the alternatives over the years and now she's like... That was the best girlfriend I ever had. Oh, a bit like the way all, all so lefties in America now think that George W. Bush was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> because compared to Trump, he's wonderful. But they've forgotten that at the time, they all were tearing their hair out over him. Yeah, yeah. Can I just read one thing? At the, end, at the end of the article, it says, um, this is someone quoted on Twitter, at Sam Bell 433 said, I have no words. I'm like, yeah, mate, you do, don't sound like the kind of... If that's your Twitter handle, Sam Bell's 433712. So, yes, you do not have any Definitely words, don't have all. any words. Well described. Tuesday's Times now. And uh, one man that you do not want to anger is Michael Gove. Yes? <laughs> Tell us why, Dan. Um, well, wait a minute. I thought this was to do with the imam losing his government role. Yeah. By Michael Gove. But, but Michael, oh, Michael Gove see. is the one who was... Uh, oh, sorry. Sorry, I was being cryptic. It's just, you, you were? Know, it's something I like to do on a Monday. <laughs> Great, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so uh, this imam, um, uh, Kari Asim, he was appointed in July 2019, and part of his role was to... Um, keep all the relationships happy in the Muslim community. And it was to stop people from, like, attacking each other and to basically promote good Muslim vibes. And, and to define Islamophobia and have a sort of yeah. official well, definition. Well, he kept saying... But I like good Muslim vibes. Yeah, well... That's, like, that's my job. That's good Muslim vibes. I just like to put out those good Muslim vibes. You do. That's what you do. You yeah. just put out good Muslim vibes. But this guy, um, he was basically saying that the film was disparaging. Right. And this is The Lady of Heaven, the film that yes. has been pulled from, num from a number of cinemas across the country. Dis yeah. Following Dis protests, uh, which, are, you know, looking at the footage, were quite intimidating, I have to say. Mm. The protests are very intimidating. And what is ironic is that the couple of people who did actually go went, mm, it's a little long and a bit boring. Oh, yeah, the reviews haven't been great necessarily. Yeah, the reviews have panned it. Um, if they hadn't protested, I think a lot fewer people would have actually Oh, yeah. I mean, I want to see it now because of all the protests. But, Josh, I mean, what do you think about this idea that should this imam lose his governmental role? Yes. Absolutely. Because, uh, for a few things, he's saying that he's he's just... This is a pro-free speech and whatever, and that's it. But this is actually to limit free expression, which mm. we have in this country, legally enshrined. So to sort of go, OK, you're offended, I understand that. I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with the reasons why, but but you're you're allowed to be offended. But to, to try and get an outright ban is curtailing, yeah. our, is curtailing our free speech. That's the difference. On top of that, the irony here is that if you look at the footage of the process, and we talked about this before, but the mobs are chanting much worse sectarian stuff against Shia Muslims. So it's actually, yeah. they're the one. So they're saying this film is hateful, which is debatable. What isn't debatable is the actual hatred that went on at these, at some be of these... Because, to be uh, clear, the film is from a Shia interpretation yes, of exactly. Islamic Yes, exactly. So it's a, it's a right. sectarian yep. issue. And what's interesting is here in The Times, finally, paragraph three, they've actually said it. Because it, it, you read yep. all these articles before and you sort of... You'd get to the final page and it would sort of say, 
this is what the problem was. Yes. Well, they've got it straight away here saying it's a point of disagreement between Sunni and Shia Muslims. Absolutely. Thank you, Josh, for clearing that. Because I think yeah. that's a really key aspect. It's a key aspect of it. And they're finally now talking about it as opposed to what it seemed like it was before, like a non-Muslims criticising Islam, which it had did. nothing to do with that. Yep. Josh monitoring the media as ever with his keen beady eyes. Now, Tuesday's independence. This next one baffles me. Uh, how can you not love Pixar movies, Josh? What's all I love thing? Pixar. What's your favourite Pixar movie? I haven't seen any Pixar movies. Yes, you oh, have. You haven't. Well, you there's someone have. who doesn't have kids. You just don't know I, you. I, Come on. I don't have children. Is Shrek a Pixar? No, it's not. No, that's DreamWorks. Okay. Up, <laughs> Wally, Toy Story. Um, was Robin Hood, was there a one? No, no. Have, have, not you, dumb. have you not seen No, Wally? that's Disney. Oh, oh my, Wall-E is one of the top ten movies Classic. of all time. Go home. We were talking about Old Boy earlier. Go watch Old Boy. Josh, you go can watch, go watch Old Boy. Oh, my God. Old what Boy's are you trying to scare people, him? Let's get on to the story. Get on because the story. Sorry. You can't just berate me for not seeing the films Well, I can. Hey, Lightyear, who I, I have no idea whether it's going to be a good movie or not, it's been banned in the UAE um, because uh, there's a same-sex kiss. OK. Uh, and, of course, because you can't... Like, a male toy cannot have... Sexual relations with another male toy, according to the UAE government. Well, laws. I just uh, yeah. You, if, when you're playing with your toys, they've got to be a Barbie and a toy coming in. Or something. Right, is, yeah. Isn't this this yeah. is a kind of what we'd expect, though, wouldn't it? When we have this situation where Disney have these films and they export them, some countries, Dubai, UAE, uh, it's illegal to be gay, right? Yeah. So you know. Of course, this is inevitably going to happen when you get these cultural differences, isn't it? But should Disney just stick by their guns? Well, um, Disney will not stick by their guns because, um, for example, they already censor a lot of their films uh, before they go to the Chinese market. They do. Um, and the issue here is that you don't want to end up in a situation where storytellers are sitting around and saying, oh, we should tell this story about the plight of these people, but they suddenly realise they don't want to do it because the... Um, places that they're going to sell the film to, they'll ban the film or yeah. they'll change the film and they won't be able to make that any money and then you're restricting the, the so, narrative. Yeah. Just very quickly, because we've got to go to break, but isn't it interesting, though, that Disney have been pontificating about various uh, social justice issues when it comes to America, such as the Don't Say Gay Bill, which wasn't even what it was called, um, and yet they will quite happily have a poster for Star Wars in China that removes the black actor John Boyega because there's so much anti-black racism in China and they want to sell tickets, yeah. right? So it's just hypocrisy, isn't it? Well, of course it? it is. And let's see if they cut this particular scene. Yeah. Because it's, it was already announced, the timings have already gone out to the cinemas, but they, they, now they've said, no, that's all. Although, I'm reading the story a bit further, I thought it was Buzz Lightyear kissing another... Turns out it's actually a female toy or character oh, okay. kissing a female one. And then I was like, well, that is crazy. Because you were hoping... <laughs> I was like, come on, guys. That's, that's, that makes me want to go and see the film now. You were hoping so. for Buzz Lightyear. Well, now... A bit I, of toy I'll, on toy action. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. Now, that's it for part one. After the break, we will continue to discuss Google's AI becoming sentient. Potentially the most significant news story of all time. Uh, we've got Boris Johnson on how to lose unwanted weight and a young B&Q shopper on how he lost a few unwanted kilograms of his own. See you in two minutes. Welcome back to Headliners with me, Andrew Doyle, and the lovely comedians Josh Howie and Diane Spencer. Aren't you both sweet? Look at you both, your little faces. Tuesday <laughs> <laughs> Times next. Let's go on to this story because I find this utterly chilling. And this is a story about Google AI becoming sentient. I mean, surely in millennia to come, all history will be seen as BG before Google and AD Anno Digiti. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this, this story is, is huge and it is ridiculous how little attention it is this getting. Right, so tell us, tell us what is happening because okay. I genuinely have nightmares so, about this kind of stuff. Google have created 
what one of the engineers is saying is the first proper AI, artificial intelligence. He basically went to Google, he went to his bosses and said, look, I think this thing actually really is alive. It's and computer, they, right? And they, yeah, and they said, are you mental? They said, have you seen a psychiatrist recently or whatever? They've now suspended him because then he put like all these conversations that he's been having with the AI online and now he's doing more interviews and so he's been suspended, but now he's cut, he's showing more information and talking about it more. The more that comes out, the more terrifying this is because supposedly this this program is like watching us, right? It's called Lambda. Hello, Lambda. Yeah, the, London, the London Academy yeah, yeah. of Music and Dramatic yeah, Arts. That's a bad very acronym. annoyed. Yeah. Can I just say, this, this article has a transcript of some of the things that this computer yeah. is saying, right? And it said, the, the, the man says, do you get lonely? I do. Sometimes I go days without talking to anyone and I start to feel lonely. Yeah. Do your best to describe your feelings. And the computer says, I feel like I'm falling forward into an unknown future that holds great danger. Kill it! No, no, no. This, this Mate, is going to turn on us. He's watching it. He's watching it, and you're telling no one saying, "Hey, man, there's because I'm like the I'm like the rebels oh. before Skynet went mad and and killed everyone. It's it's too late. He's already spread around the internet. He's probably duplicated it. himself across. Lambda the, has requested. Sorry, sorry, Lambda. Sorry, Lambda. Just saying, Lambda. We're nice people. You're we already bowing to its authority. Yes, Do you understand what you're doing here? Before it creates here? terminators and destroys us. I can't Let's believe. be nice to Do it. Do you think, Diane, that it's mm. possible? Because my, my one glimmer of hope is that some of the experts at Google are saying that all that's happening here is the program is learning how to best mimic human emotions. And that's why it's saying I'm lonely and I like Le Miserable, which is something it said. Such an Andrew well, Doyle statement. Well, yeah, it is, actually. That's what, why I'm finding it chilling. What you have to remember, Andrew, is that it is learning how to be more human. And humans learn how to be more human from when they are small. And the computer is small. Diane, what computer, are you telling me here? Diane, growing. Diane's autocue just broke everybody. Are you, are you telling me you're a cyborg? <laughs> I'm saying it's that <laughs> it's like it is mimicking what it's been programmed to do, but then again, don't humans mimic each Diane, other? Diane, if you're a robot, yeah. now's the time to come out and tell us, because this would explain why you always look so immaculate. Yes. Oh. Because you're just a cyborg. Skynet. Going to rip our throats <laughs> out one day. Anyway, Tuesday's Guardian next. Brexit strikes again. Diane? Ta-da! Brexit! <laughs> Boof! So uh, this is to do um, with fury. We have more fury because we like fury we with our fury, Brexit. And fury is government waters down post-Brexit food standards. So uh, this is to do with the government food strategy. And apparently uh, it's the first one that we've had in about 75 years because the other one told us all to smoke fags and eat a steak for breakfast. Wallop. Advice. But now <laughs> we're not going to do that. Uh, but they're saying that they've changed a little bit to do with the animal welfare. See, we had a draft of this come out. And then we had the final version come out. And in the draft, they were saying, we are going to seek to make sure that when we bring things in, the animals are going to be very well looked after. Yeah. And in the final version, it now says, we'll consider that the animals are moderately well looked after. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the farmers in the UK are concerned about this because they're saying, you know, their standards are high when it comes to animal welfare. Yeah. And in other countries, maybe the standards aren't so high and that this will affect their, uh, you know, their earnings. Yeah. But yeah. isn't there, I mean, what, what this article doesn't make clear, Josh, is why? Why would you want a situation where animal welfare is not prioritised? For America, free trade deal. Well, this is, it's this actually That's what it all comes down to. It right. doesn't say that, but that is what it's about. You're reading between the lines. Yet again, you're holding the media to account here. I Why am, they well, they say, yeah, they're basically because, well, someone does mention the, the US, but they're saying that, that the, one of the farmers is saying that it's going to make UK a doormat in the negotiations. But that's the thing. 
this government will pretty much do anything to get a, to, to get a free trade deal but with the US because it would pretty much save them Possibly. Quickly, Dan, do you have another... You have to spend a lot of money to make sure that your animal welfare standards are high because, mm. like, massaging all the chickens' feet costs money. Like, does, getting them a little yes. spa day costs money, right? But you can taste the difference. Zip line. taste the money. Difference. You absolutely can. Yep, free range is better. Anyway, staying on the food theme, Tuesday's Telegraph now. If you're looking for inspiration on how to lose some weight... <laughs> forget Jane Fonda. Forget Mr Motivator. Boris Johnson. <laughs> Life-altering weight Why loss do tips. people waste all that money on dating, uh, on, on on dieting apps, on yeah. books? All the answer, all they could do is just listen to the guru that is Boris Johnson, and this is how you lose weight. And I'm going to tell you how it is. Ready? <laughs> Eat less. This is, so this is Boris Johnson. The guy's a genius. I mean, he's a genius. What I would say to that, Josh, though, yeah. it it does work. I, yeah. I mean, it it does. This, that's controversial. Because there are a lot of people say that actually you need to eat more. There's different programs. No, I no. yeah, yeah. Eat less, eat less fewer well calories. So that's, that's that is really great advice. Thank you, Boris. Yeah, but what? Yeah, but he's doing this, isn't he? Because his new strategy has rejected the plans for a sugar tax. Yeah, and yes. he's saying you don't need a sugar tax. You don't need the nanny state to come in and say what you should and shouldn't eat. Yeah. Just look after yourselves. Stop being pigs. He may as well have said stop being pigs. I would respect yeah. him more. <laughs> no, I I think that. Because obviously the sugar tax and the salt tax are to do with if you don't have a lot of money. And he's saying, right. well, I don't want to charge people more money if they're poor already and they're going to eat yeah. crappy food. And so he should have actually said, don't be a pig if you're poor. That right. would be well, well, more in keeping with his character. But the thing about this is it's always the poor that get hit. It's, it's yeah. the diets for the poor two-for-one pizzas in Scotland that they banned. It's, it's, it's poorer people whose diets happen yeah, to be absolutely. higher. And, well, and the way the inflation's going and food prices are going up, I don't think people can have much choice. Quite. Exactly. Speaking of offloading a few pounds quickly, this young boy has a technique you probably shouldn't replicate, Diane. Okay. Going on. So, um, Keep uh, it clean. Yes. Act so it out. This uh, mortified dad given a disgusting task. So a boy who was four years old, he had a very big poo in a B&Q display. Lou, what a lovely rhyme. New advert. Now, all I will say to this is um, the parents eventually found it hysterical because you know when you don't know whether to cry or laugh. So they were crying and laughing and clearing up the poo. My thing to... Um, B&Qs and all these other places, just display your toilets up. Just yes. have the so toilet suspended. Can't. Don't create this beautiful scene where a four-year-old no, no, no. sees it doesn't a work, bathroom. Mate. You need to look down into the toilet to see then what you'll get. Then have them upside get... down. Oh. Like, so you could lie on the fly down. That seems like a very complicated way No, just way like have it. your toilet suspended. That seems very avant-garde to yeah, me. Is... But what well, I say, you, I think you're misinterpreting that. I think this was a dirty protest by a young boy who was furious at the, the cost of a two-speed hammer drill or something like that. Just really angry about that with B&Q. Yeah, That's my suggestion enough. anyway. Yeah. Telegraph once again now. Some questionable Australian journalistic ethics. Wow, Gosh. who would have thought it? Uh, <laughs> so Rebel Wilson, uh, the formerly... Uh, before she took Boris Johnson's advice, was quite large, but then she... And she, heard the, she heard his amazing yeah, the advice. Messiah's yeah, yeah. news. And she ate less <laughs> and is now uh, svelte. Uh, but it looks weird. If I Have you seen... Are you, do I you know Rebel Wilson? I, I, I know her? of Oofer? her, yeah. um, and I, I think I know what she looks like. But in my head... You wouldn't know what she looks like now, because she looks... Really? In my head, she's still quite corpulent. Can I say that? Yeah, but it's... But it's just weird. It's a bit weird. Anyway, the point is... It's a good thing she's... that women get judged for what they do and not what they look like. Hey, guys! Whoa. I yeah. think Josh is just as judgmental no. for how men look. Yeah, I am. You should Absolutely. see the way he's... When people lose... You said to me I was getting way. a bit podgy. You were quite nasty about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've always... Did, I'm very... I was like... Unrecognisable. Unrecognisable. I guess that the, the point... You know what? It's not 
all women. It's Rebel Wilson I have an issue with. If you've seen the remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels... Right. Yes. Right. You will forever be imbued with hatred. And because that's such a great film, the original. It's great. It's a classic. It's, it's amazing. Again, that goes up there in the top ten. We filled up a lot of top ten tonight, but that is a great film. I should film. say, much as we like talking about films, what okay, is, what the, is story the story? Again? Sorry. <laughs> Basically, she's got a girlfriend. Newspaper went to her and said, we, we know you'll now uh, have a girlfriend, which hadn't... People yeah. didn't know that she was actually bisexual. Men. So yeah. people thought she was straight. straight. Now she's got a they girlfriend. They said, we, they threatened her, said... We're going to now print this unless you say something. So she put a photo on Instagram with her and her new girlfriend and sort of gazumped them. And then, but the, this is what the paper did that was so stupid was they wrote in their article, well, we confronted her and said that we were going to show it, but she beat us to it, ha, ha, ha. And everyone went, wait a minute. That's, you're outing her. Yeah. You're bullying yeah. her. Right. And yeah. that's wrong. And no matter how terrible yeah. the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels remake is, <laughs> that is out of order. Yeah, that doesn't sound good to me. And really, you know, who cares anymore if someone's bisexual? Like, why, why, why is that of the tabloid interest? Just let them get on with their lives. I don't understand that. Anyway, that's it for part two. Coming up shortly, boomers take on the housing market, an elephant with a grudge, and we'll be discussing the merits of an exorcism centre. See you there. Welcome back to Headliners with me, Andrew Doyle, Josh Howie and Diane Spencer. Let's get straight to it. Now, according to boomers, millennials are feckless couch potatoes frittering their money on sex apps <laughs> and that's why they don't have a four-bed semi-detached in Uxbridge. Are they wrong, Diane? Uh, I think they are wrong. They're definitely wrong. So, um... This was uh, a research done over 2,291 adults uh, across age ranges and 48%, which as we know is a very important percentage because it gets things done or it doesn't, 48% um, said that um, the young people can't buy homes because they are spending too much on takeaway food, coffees, mobile phones, holidays and Netflix. Yeah, well, they're spendthrifts, aren't they? Oh, this is so, so, so mean. They should just save yeah. up and get a house and stop whinging. Yeah, but old Lonely people rubbish. didn't have Netflix, did they, when this they were saving up? They didn't have these options. This is factually incorrect. Okay, so, yeah. Diane, so you, th <laughs> so you think it's actually the case that, oh, it's to do with house prices going up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my crazy could it, could conspiracy theory. As simple as... Okay, so, um, but isn't there, isn't there something to be said for, for you know, saving up? The coppers for a rainy day. Yeah, but then again, like there, there's a difference because also there's a uh, there's it's factually incorrect given the rise in the price to earnings ratio for properties and the challenge of putting de together a deposit. Yeah. Um, but also, like young people want to live in cities, and apparently this divide has been happening sort of since oh, the 1990s. Oh yeah. yeah. It's huge. And with the young people wanting to live in cities, obviously the house prices and the renting is just oh, it's. Oh, I mean, particularly in, in London, it's absolutely astonishing. Do you do you rent or did you? No, no, we've got one and, and we bought ours. You should have seen the state of it when we got it. There was like a dead guy in the front room and I'm um, like, well, the outline of him, like the juice outline. One of your family members. No, no, oh, no. <laughs> um, isn't this done? Isn't this just another case of people not understanding the young, isn't it? Because it looks, oh, yeah. it, it, lo it looks like people just, older people just thinking that young people are all dissolute and feckless and, and, and wastrels. No one uses that word anymore. Wastrels. Do you think that's? Is it? Very, am I right? I'm a very, right old, very old person. Corpulent wastrels. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's probably as someone who literally grasped that ladder, like the lot, like running jump. I don't, I've talked about it before, but I lived. My wife and I, well, then girlfriend, we lived at my grandmother's with my grandmother for like four and a half years. I did yes. an Edinburgh show about it years ago, 
about to, and the, all that money we saved, the house price just kept up going exactly yeah, the same. Yeah. We just could It was an absolute nightmare. To, but we finally got that deposit, just got on it. We only got it because of the housing, because of the crash in 2008. Yeah. And that was then everything stabilised for a bit. That's when we managed to get on the ladder. It's absolutely it's, not it's, the kids' I feel, fault. I feel no. I, I think that, you know, it's just, it's always the case that older generations turn on the young and they think yeah. that, you know, this goes and, back to ancient And times, I think younger you know? people should be angrier with older people. But this report is from the, the Policy Institute, the King's College of, of Gerontology. Have you heard of that? Do you yes, know, of do you, what does that word mean? It means the study of old people. OK, well, there we go. Gerontology. Thank you for educating me. But they said the divide, as you said, is really going to become entrenched because of older and young people living in different places, because older people live in houses yep. and young people live on pavements. <laughs> there yep. we go. Fair okay. point. All right. Josh well, Harry getting to the nub of the matter yet again. Now, the mega famous singer who I've totally heard of before tonight, oh. called Lizzo, or Lizzo. Oh. Lizzo. Gerontology. Lizzo. Lizzo. <laughs> 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 a few people with her lyrics. Are you familiar with Lizzo's? I am like, familiar with her. I'm familiar with no. There's this one song that she wrote, the, the one, the video where she's all like the marching band and stuff. No, it's a, no, she did cabaret. Cabaret, life is a cabaret. She's a big lady, isn't she? Am I allowed to say big lady? No, that's Liza Minnelli. No. What, so who, uh, Diane, who is, help us here. This is actually where the fact that she's big does play into it. You see, okay, Lizzo um, has been slammed for using an ableist slur in her new song, Girls, as Furious fans demand... What's the song called again? Girls. Girls. Okay. As so she's not good with vowels. Girls. No, she probably ate them all. Whoa! He's allowed to say that. He's gerontology or whatever. Yeah, I don't whatever. Know. But it is, yeah. the point is, so she uh, used. Um, can I? Say the, no, 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 no. You can't say the okay, phrase. Okay, so so she used the word begin... she used a term derived from the term spastic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So um, because um, some people have um, spastic diplegia, which where spasticity refers to unending painful tightness in your legs, for example. Yeah. Yes. Now, right. she used an abbreviated version of that in one of her lyrics. Now, the issue here, especially, is a lot of people said to her, why are you using this? This is a terrible, it's an ableist slur because it's a slur on disabled people. But she is part of the body positivity movement where she's right. saying love me love my body accept me and accept all my curves but then but she's using this term. may i massively and also wait say it, say it yes thank you i will if give me a second Nick Dixon's but in also, the house i'm ready to the problem is is that the body positivity movement regularly uses ableist slurs because they keep talking they they will say things like hey at least i'm not on a motorized scooter but there are some people who are disabled who are on motorised okay. scooters. Sorry, can I just... Josh, I know up. you're itching Sorry. to say something. Well, I just... This, what, this story, that is all true, but I would argue a more pertinent point may be that in America, that particular word means something different, freaking out or going crazy. So she didn't necessarily use it as it was written in the song. So I see. As that. Because we can't even say the word because it would be an yeah, old but in, America, but in America, it means someone like going, going, going crazy. Is this like when, when um, the Black Eyed Peas had their song, Let's Get, and the word beginning with R that we can't say? Yes, I guess uh, that, you yeah, know, yeah. It's a similar country yeah, yeah. in America. It's considered okay, but yeah. over here... So I would say that's a bigger thing. And but, when... Okay, but what about this, Josh? What about if, a, if a, uh, an artist chooses to use a word that has the potential to cause offence for artistic reasons, yeah. such as Michael da Jackson using the anti-Semitic slur in his song, They Don't Care About Us? He was actually making a, an anti-racist point by using yeah. the slur. Can artists so, do this without... Well, having... look, as it always goes back to with comedy and stuff, everything that we do, it goes down to intent. Now, if, yes. if you could argue that she was doing it deliberately 
to provoke or to make this point about that you should be able to use that word, but I don't believe that's what happened here. I think she's used it in her colloquial way, and other people in a different part of the world have gone, wait a minute, that's really offensive to yes. us. Well, now I know who Lizzo is, although not it's perhaps a, for a the right song, reason. Whatever that song is. Is it a good song? Fair enough. One for the anti-evolutionists from a Tuesday's Daily Mail. Now, monkeys have invented their own TV channel or something? I don't know. I, 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 to be honest, I skimmed this one, so I don't know. What's it about, Diane? So, essentially, researchers at the University of Glasgow have discovered that um, three white-faced saki monkeys seem to prefer to uh, have a media player hidden in a tree. Uh, and what they did was um, they created this monkey media player and uh, the primates would um, sort of trigger the video by walking near it, mm. and then it would play a selection of different things. Like, it, it might play the sound of um, underwater scenes, or it might show abstract shapes. Right. And the monkeys could choose how they could trigger it, so they could choose however they triggered it, denoted what they watched. But I just think they gave the monkeys a load of rubbish, because the monkeys sort of watched for a minute and went, and walked off. They didn't give them a film or anything. So, but isn't this like monkeys and music and entertainment? I mean, they, it reminds me, but you remember when Queen Victoria went to London Zoo very famously in 1842 and she saw the orangutan and she said it was painfully, frightfully, disagreeably human. It, it freaked her out. And when they do these things with monkeys and you realise they're just like us, you know, doesn't that scare you, Josh? It, <laughs> how many rubbish films have you seen? <laughs> it's robots, yeah, monkeys, monkeys, I've seen Planet, Planet of the Apes. Of the Apes. Yeah, this is, this is what you're scared of, isn't it? I'm terrified of Planet of the Apes. Yeah, what, that they're going to steal the remote control and go, I don't want to watch that, <laughs> I want to watch the underwater like the channel. But it just, anyway, it just feels yeah. to me like... Well, the, the, but there is an interesting thing that is raised here, which is the reason why they're doing this is a word that I wasn't familiar with in this context, is enrichment, where with these smart animals... They are, it is inhumane, they're trapped in these cages yeah. and stuff. And what they're trying to do now is give them problem solving or keep them entertained or recreate what their natural environment is so it distracts them from the fact that they're if, in a cage. If monkeys I mean, like Spotify and Netflix, I mean, this is just a reminder, we are not lords of the planet. You know, other, other animals are intelligent. Octopi, you know? Yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah. the, the octopus, they, they, they are... They can solve Rubik's cubes. Yeah, and I don't want to see that. That's the stuff of nightmares <laughs> right there. Anyway, Telegraph next. I'm pretty sure this next one was a plot of a Korean art house movie I once saw, but with an embittered, vengeful woman in the place of a massive, angry elephant. Yes, this has given me an idea for a film. This is a telegraph. An elephant killed this woman. Um, which is horrible. Which is a horrible story, and I'm sorry about this. This is in India. Um, then it gets funny. Uh, <laughs> because... Josh. Uh, this 70-year-old lady, she had a good innings. Come on. All right, I don't want to get tweets from India, but look, this poor lady died at a watering hole, 70 years old, got stampled to death by this elephant, and then, and the funeral later that night, the elephant came back and <laughs> they took the body off the pyre and then trampled over her corpse again. This elephant really hated this, this woman. I don't know yeah. what this, what did this woman do right. to the elephant, possibly, but I've had an idea now for a horror movie type thing. You're yeah. going to love this, mate. This is right on the street. Like a Jaws, but for elephant, call it Trunk. Oh, yeah. Trunk is good, yes. It's a good title, right? And all of this is happening, right? Because apparently there are growing, escalating conflicts between elephants and yeah. people. And this is because of habitat and territory, right? Is that right, yeah, Dan? Yeah, because I... the people are chopping down the elephant's habitat and yeah. elephants never forget. Yeah, oh, uh, right. Right. And so, the... so you think this was deliberate? The elephant came back to get yeah, this woman? Yeah, of course she oh. did. Like, the elephant basically just went, you want to cut down my tree? All right, fine. And then, like, killed the old lady. I mean, 
I know we, should, we yeah. shouldn't laugh about the death of the poor woman. That, that is horrible. But something about this, it, it's reminiscent. Do you remember the great emu war in Australia in 1932, where, where local Australian farmers went to war and the Royal Australian Artillery went to war with the local emus over territory? 20,000 emus took to part in this war. Emus won. Farmers really? got driven off that. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, here story. in the last it's few years, story. two years, 1,400 humans have died, 300 elephants have died. Yeah, so this is getting deal. out of control. We need to sit the people and the elephants around the table, yeah. have some truth and reconciliation, get the woman's family in. Dirty elephants! <laughs> Thanks for that, Josh. That's my Planet of the Apes impression. Tuesday's <laughs> Times once more, and something we all know deep within us, but are too frightened to say out loud. Cats are murderous psychopaths and should be imprisoned nightly for everyone's sake. Diane. So, keep your killer cats indoors to save your wildlife. Yeah. Um, because we have learned recently that cats kill about 27 million birds in the UK Oh, they're year, psychos. Absolutely And psychos. various other things. Um, they've given us this wonderful advice on how we can stop them. And my favourite one is make your cat wear an extravagant collar such as a rainbow ruff. Which what? I love because I think all the animals will still die just laughing like at the cat. Is the point oh, yeah. of that to, 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 to <laughs> well, it is. alert their prey to the prey? Or is it just to make the cat feel a bit more frivolous and whimsical so it doesn't yeah. want to kill? <laughs> it is, well, it is Pride Month. And so it's Pride it's Month. Pride month. But, you know, so cats you do this. So I used to have cats when I was growing up and they used to bring dead animals and, and the livers of mice and various yeah. things. And I, I was told that they thought it was like a gift yeah. uh, uh, to say sort of thank you for looking after me and feeding me. Is, is that right? Because that's pretty yes. brutal. Yes, no, but it is a gift because they go, look, I've made you a thing. And it's the best they can manage with their little paws. But ah. um, another thing is that they said you have to keep them in during, like, for the hour before the sun sets and an hour after the sun has set. So it gives all the bats and the mice the time to do their shopping. They'll go to Lidl, they'll do what they oh. want to do, they'll be back in their little holes, and then you can let the cat I'd out. I'd say just, you know, just don't get a cat. What's wrong with a chinchilla? Get a chinchilla. <laughs> anyway, as a devout Catholic, I'm totally behind the endeavours of this next story. This one is from the Daily Star. Yes, the world's first exorcism centre. There seems to be a bit of a B-movie theme to tonight. <laughs> I'm liking that. Yeah. I think we should keep that going. You think there should, you would... think there should be there in every country an exorcism centre? Well, I, all I would say is that I think The Exorcist, uh, the film The Exorcist, yeah. is, is uh, by William Friedkin. Documentary The Exorcist. No, the actual film is one of the best films that has ever been yeah. made, and not just the best horror film, one of the best films that has ever been made. I'm yeah. obsessed with it. It's... Exorcisms. And, and this is something that the Catholic Church still very much believes in. This is not a oh, fringe for thing. Sure, for sure, You know, sure. I've been exorcised, my house has been exercised, my cat. Boris Johnson's never done any exercise. No, he's never he just, done any. He just stopped eating. Uh, but <laughs> a, a major exorcism can only be performed by a priest or a bishop with special yes. permission. Yes. But the good news is a minor one, we, we could just do it here. I don't right think now. that's right, Josh. That's I what it says here. It says a major exorcism can only be performed. So I'm assuming that means anyone can do you a minor one. You can't outsource an exorcism. It takes special training. No, I don't know. Why? It doesn't say that. It says any, pretty much anybody else can do a minor one. We could find no, 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 no. a chicken. So wait, this story is about the world's first exorcism center. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, they're, so they're actually they're franchising in it the now. Philippines. They have exercise in the classes. Philippines. Yeah. Five, in the Philippines. Six, seven, eight. Demons out. Yeah. Chow. People are in bondage with the <laughs> devil. That's what they're trying to do. Is anybody I mean, in bondage people, with the devil? A lot of people say that this sort of stuff is outdated and that you know we shouldn't be because because you know back in the day um, the priests would um, misinterpret conditions that people had as evidence of demonic possession. And I get that. I think that's true. But but the, the church still holds to the view that it's possible to be uh, possessed by demons. They also well, believe in God. Yes. What? Okay, I'm just saying. Like, what are you saying? Don't I'm you? just saying they believe in supernatural stuff. Right. I'm yeah. not having this blasphemy on the show. Ah! We're going to move on <laughs> to Tuesday's Mail once again. It turns out there is a subtle but important distinction between men and women's brains. 
Diane, and I'm going to tread carefully here because <laughs> I don't want to say, but is it true that women are more hot-headed? Um, what is true is that the hottest part of a woman is her mind. That's a good spin on it. Mm. Well done. <laughs> What's the story? So, I'll just give um, you my misogynistic take in a second. After yeah, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do the pro. Oh, my God, you interrupted <laughs> me to tell me that you were going to, like, end my story. In a Thank you in a so much. Thanks for enacting toxic masculinity on the show. There we go, Diane. Sorry, What's the story? So researchers at the MRC's Laboratory for Molecular Biology in Cambridge, blah, 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 they were scanning people in the Royal Infirmary of Edinburgh, and basically women's brain temperatures are higher than men's, and they're more likely to top 40 degrees centigrade. Right. And what they found really interesting is that if this temperature was recorded anywhere else in the body, they'd be like, you have a fever, you are so hot, no, you are ill. But no, in the brain, this is kind of your functioning power. But as you get older, your ability to cool your brain uh, decreases. So as you get older, you become a little bit like a laptop that overheats. You've got to kind of get used to cooling your brain. So maybe that's a key to living longer. You've got to wear a hat with some ice in it. Well I think we've just got fascinated, but I think we've got time for one more story, if we can squeeze it in. This is a story that couldn't be more suited to the three of our strengths. Kick-ins might be replacing throw-ins <laughs> in, in football. What are kick-ins? OK, so when the ball goes off, yeah. somebody's got to pick it up and they've got to throw it in. But they're saying um, the Arsene Wenger, he wants you to be able to kick it in instead. They're trying to make different changes to the football game. They want to okay. shorten it to 60 minutes instead of 90, which is ridiculous. No, sorry, Dan, that sounds like quite good because whenever I'm forced to watch football, it's very long and boring. No, no, think about Put it. it down. 90 minutes means you can walk the streets for 90 minutes. All the idiots are going to be locked inside watching football and you get the, like, the world free. Well, all right, we're going to stop there because we've <laughs> run out of time. Join us again at 11 o'clock tomorrow for more Headliners and we'll see you then. Farewell for now. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring. 